0: I want to introduce you for just a moment for, to some of the things I've been reading lately. Um, I like paper, like Trey talked about. I wish I could claim to be an old soul. I'm just old, okay? So um, a book I finished a couple of nights ago is a, a book called The First Conspiracy. It's a book about the secret plot to kill George Washington. Really pretty fascinating, almost unknown in history. But I, I've, I've loved that. I've also been reading a a book that um, really has caused me to have to think a lot. It's called Letters Between a Catholic and an Evangelical. And it's a debate and a dialogue on the issues that divide us. A lot to be learned in that. I've returned to a devotional book that I really love every morning called Moments with the Savior. It's a gospel reading. It's a devotional thought, and it's a prayer that's just really powerful. I forgot how much I love that also love a little John Gresham. Uh, he's talking here about uh, three law students who get in law school and find out it's just a royal ripoff and everything goes pretty crazy from there. And then you'll be glad to know that your preacher actually reads the Bible, okay? In fact, if, if you look on the title here, it, it's called the Holy Bible, okay? And, and what that means is this book does not belong On this stack it's holy you see the word holy means it is set apart the word holy means that it is different it's something that we revere because it's holy and so it doesn't belong over there it belongs in a place all by itself and every time the Bible uses the word holy the holy temple is a building unlike any other building It's the building that God lives in the Sabbath was a holy day it was different than Sunday through Friday Saturday was that holy day with the Holy Spirit everything it means different it means you, you put it apart for special purposes many of us grew up in homes not as usual today as it used to be where our mothers had fine China in the morning there was a china cabinet and that china was placed there and it was not used every day it was set apart to be used in special occasions and that's what we're talking about today is we talk about this word holy go on to that next slide because here's your definition if you're taking notes we just mentioned it it means to be set apart now when I hear that word, boy, I missed that screen. That should say holy up there. My fault, Jeremy, I didn't proofread them very well. It should say holy. Now let me m- mention this just for a second. We're not real comfortable with this word, right? I've never heard someone given a compliment You go, you know, you're really a pleasant person and you're a joy to be around, I love your sense of humor, I love this about you, and you're so holy. I've, even though the Bible uses that word, I've never heard someone use it because we think of this as a proud, judgmental, holier-than-thou person. Someone who's a holy roller, someone who dresses weird. Someone who's no fun. And more than anything, when we think about this word holy, we think it's unattainable. Holy is an awesome concept in the Bible. I understand that God is a holy God. I understand the Bible is a holy book. I understand the temple is a holy place. But how in the world can I be that holy temple today? So we start with this first point here. God is most holy. It starts with the holiness of God. You see, the verses we're going to study today are a reaction to the first 13 verses we studied in the book of 1 Peter, which explains who God is and what God has done. He is most holy. The word holy is a summation of every good quality that God has to the very fullest. God was so holy. You recognize that Jewish people in Jesus' day would not even say his name out loud. We've taken the, the, the word, the letters, and made it Yahweh, but they would not even let it press against their lips because God was so different, you could not say his name. Now, let's think about this. Our culture has very little that is holy today. The name of God is not holy. How many people use it in vain and it's just a curse word in the middle of something? Sunday is no longer a holy day where stores aren't open and everything is set aside to worship and to be with your family. Though the marriage bed was to be sacred and sex was to be holy, no longer is it holy in our culture, and what often is very unholy are God's people. You see, when they do surveys, they go, how do people who know Jesus live and how do people who don't know Jesus live. The sad thing is it keeps coming back saying there's not a difference. We're not holy. How do we get there? Our holiness is a response to a holy God. Our holiness is only possible because of the Holy Spirit within us. So as we begin to dive into this passage this morning, I want us to stand and sing an incredible song that will set it all up only a holy God and I want you to be overwhelmed by what God has done and what God is doing and how different other holy set apart God is. Stand and sing 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13 Therefore with minds that are alert and fully sober set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed and His coming Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you've purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living, enduring word of God, for all people are like grass and all the glories like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of our Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that you by it may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. you may be seated. What an incredible passage we have here. We've gotten to the therefore part of First Peter. He says, "Because of this story, you enter the story as God was holy. So you are holy. The, the, the verse actually says, "Be holy because I am holy. Say that with me. Be holy because I am holy." Say it again, "Be holy because I am holy." You see, what we're talking about this morning is a life shaped by God's life. God's life is holy and set apart. It's different. And the call for us is to follow in his steps and to be holy and set apart. Now, Peter does a lot in this passage. He commands, he, motivated, he motivates, and he challenges. I'm going to look at those pretty quickly. Think of the commands. And here's here's what he's telling us. Here's what a holy life looks like. And as I go through these commands, there's eight of them. I want you to be thinking, which of these do I need to be challenged with? Which of these do I need to obey? His first command is prepare your minds for action. He said, it all starts in your mind. We know that. The battleground is in our mind. Until our mind is set apart for God and our thoughts are set apart for God. We're not going to be ready to go out and live it out in action. He says, set your hope on Jesus. That's the second command. It's not passive, it's active. Our hope is not in what we have and what we can accomplish and how much money we can make. Our hope is not in Wall Street or the economy or the political campaign going on right now. Our hope is in Jesus. Jesus. And then he commands, live in obedience. That's not a word we use a lot anymore, sadly. We are so in love with this holy God that what he says goes in our life. And on the other side, do not conform to old ways. You see, what he's saying here is the world is seeking to shape you. If you just stay in neutral, you're going to be shaped by everything around you. But what he's calling us to do is not to be shaped by the world, but to be shaped by a holy God. Live in reverent fear. Two kinds of fear here. There's the scared kind of fears. I'm just scared to death of you. And the other kind of fear is the all kind of fear. It says, you know, I do get nervous around you. I'm not nervous because I think you're going to do me bad. I'm nervous because I just respect you and look so up to you. I, and that's how we are with God. We live in reverent fear. And then he commands, love one another deeply. You know, Jesus said, this may be the most distinctive and holy thing we do. He says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. What makes us distinctive? What makes us holy? That you love one another. And then he says, get rid of evil. There's got to be some house cleaning. You've got to get rid of the things in your life that are pulling you back from being holy. I always remember when West Gunn was our campus ministry. And he called on all of our students to bring everything they had, all their CDs, all their videos in that day, anything they had that was keeping them from being holy. And they had a great burn. It was a dramatic way, and that's what Peter's saying in dramatic words, get rid of it, sweep it out. And then he says, crave spiritual milk. You know what it's like to crave something? It's so more than you just like it. It's more than you just think it's cool. It's a taste that you crave. I was traveling um, from Nashville home last night. Many of you heard that my son Lincoln got engaged this weekend, and we're pretty excited about that. You can clap. I think that'd be appropriate. But um, <laughs> uh, thank you. But uh, she is pretty sweet, and we are glad. Okay. But on the way home, there's a place I almost stop every time on I-65 because I crave it. It's a little place called Taco Casa. It's it's actually a Tuscaloosa restaurant. There's about 10 of them in Tuscaloosa. There's only one of them outside of Tuscaloosa. It's off Lakeshore Drive in Birmingham. And I always stop there because I just crave it. In fact, I I was first introduced to Taco Casa my freshman year by Susan Prater. And, And I've loved it ever since because it's just got this real distinctive taste. And you know what you feel that way about, that you drive out of the way, that you stop at every time you go through a certain town. He's saying we are to crave the sincere milk of God, the Word of God in the same way. So a lot of commands there. What command stands out to you? And then Peter says, not only do I want you to know what it means to be holy, I want you to know why you should want to be holy. And Peter comes out And just uses everything he's got to motivate us. Some of the things he motivates us with. The coming of God. Jesus is coming back, he says. He's going to be revealed. Now listen, to Peter's audience, that was not a negative motivation. They were living in a time of persecution and difficulty and trouble. And they didn't say when the preacher preaches on the second coming of Jesus, he's trying to make us feel guilty. They would say he's trying to excite us. We are ready to get out of this mess and get in a place that is perfect. So he says, hey, if you want to be motivated to be holy, you're preparing for the coming of Jesus. He says the second thing that motivates you is the Word of God. He says this is what will never fade. Everything else we know and everything else we read will fade. None of it compares to the Holy Bible. He says that should motivate you to want to live holy lives. And then he throws in the judgment of God. And that is maybe a a negative motivation. He's saying in view of how holy God is, in view of his calling on your life, in view of you're trying to live in this story with him, you need to understand that one day your deeds will be judged. You need to be serious about sin. And then the final motivation is the love of God, the highest motivation of all. Biggest motivation to be holy is, Jesus, I just love you so much, I just don't want to disappoint you. Now, look at those four motivations there. Here's what I love about God, is that God knows we're all motivated by different things, and we're all motivated at different times by different things. And so so maybe today, you're just going to be motivated by the reading of Scripture. Or maybe you're reminded at communion of this incredible story of God who loves us. Or maybe you just need a good kick in your rear end to go, you know what, the judgment's coming. I remember one of my my best friends in college, a guy named Wiley Mullins, every time he was tempted to sin, he would say to me, I just don't want to go to hell. That's not a bad motivation, guys. We've got to be willing to take all of these motivations and use them in our life. Because, guys, listen to me, to be holy is so unusual today. To be different. Our world has taken Christianity and has so dumbed it down that it doesn't look very different. And then finally, Peter challenges. This is my favorite part. It was found in chapter 2, verse 3. He said, you're to be holy because you have tasted that the Lord is good. I call this the taste test. Anybody else in here love taste tests? None of you but me love taste. Thank you. Thank you very much. I love them. I've done it with my kids their whole life. I remember when we decided to do a taste test on Hardee's biscuits and McDonald's biscuits. So we both went, one of us went to Hardee's, one of us went to McDonald's. We met somewhere in between. So they'd both still be warm and we ate them and guess who won? Hardee's. And there was not, not a question about that. Okay, dad's loyalty to McDonald's was beaten there. All right. And, and we, we love those taste tests. But we need to take a taste test today that would change our life. Listen to the taste test. He says, "Here, you've tasted what the world offers. It's it, Peter says it's empty. It's futile. You think? Of course, you know my life's not going right. Everything I want doesn't happen. You know, and my life is just so empty. You know, it's futile. It just means nothing. Yes." But guys, the taste test would not only apply when you're not getting what you want. I would say to you today, it will apply when you're getting everything you want. If you've got every desire you have, I believe if it's not of God, it will end up being empty and futile. In fact, there's a, a great song out by an artist, a pop singer named Billie Eilish. You may have heard this song. It's called getting everything I wanted. I had a dream. I got everything I wanted. It's not what you think. If I'm being honest, it might've been a nightmare. My friends, I don't think it might've been. If you get every worldly goal that you want to accomplish and that's all you get and you don't get God, it will be a nightmare. So he says, you've tasted what the world offers. Would you also taste what the Lord offers? What the Lord offers is good. If you've tasted, it's good. It's something that if you really tasted it deeply, you crave for it. You want more of it. And guys, here's the truth is, it works. No matter how much the world may press us into its mold and give us all these things that temporarily taste good to our senses, They all end up empty. But what God gives us is something that ends up to be eternal. We get on this earth, I love this, we get to taste the Lord is good. And in eternity, we get the whole deal. Remember, when you first tasted the grace of God, the first time someone explained to you that God was so gracious. Remember that moment when you came out of the waters of baptism and you were so excited Remember when you were part of that group and you got so fired up about what you could do for God. Remember that moment when you obeyed God and you were fulfilled. I was talking to a friend this week. Been going through a really tough time. And there's been very many ups and downs. I never heard someone sort of sum it up this way. He says, the reason my life has not been so good is that I was living in disobedience what would we expect? If we don't obey the holy God, would we expect it to work? So when's that moment when you've tasted that the Lord is good? And Peter's explained it in great detail to us in this book, how wonderful God is. So why do you want to be holy? Because you've tasted it And to live a different life and to follow in the footsteps of Jesus is not just right, it's not just righteous, it's good. So here's my challenge today. is for you to live a holy, set-apart life. That your life does not belong in the stack of the world. Your life belongs in a very different place. Instead of looking at this word holy as some foreign concept and I could never say I'm holy. Guys, listen to me. The word holy does not mean you're perfect. I think that's our problem. I think it's unattainable because when I hear the word holy, I think, no way I'm getting there. Guys, the word holy is very simple. It means it doesn't belong in this stack. It's different enough it belongs over here. Here's what I want to tell you in this series. When you begin to live a holy life, it gives you hope where's that hope the hope is I'm a part of this bigger story my life does not lead to a dead end my life is not empty as tough as life may be right now it's challenging I don't know about the future here's what's going on is I've got a hope because I'm living into this story my holy life is different because you know what if I get everything I want and one day I die and it's all over, that is empty. But with this, even if life ended up being a challenge and turmoil and difficult, the rest of my walk on earth, I will end up a part of the story when I will meet a holy God and I will be just like him. And I will live for eternity in a place of hope and love forever. So it brings you to hope. So this morning, I want to challenge you. Are you living a holy life? Please don't take the question wrong. I'm not saying, are you perfect? I'm simply saying, is "Is your life different? And I'm not saying it's different in a perfect way. I'm just saying, if someone were to watch your life and someone were to watch somebody in the world's life where they go, there's something deeper, better, more fulfilling, full about your life despite all your imperfections. So this morning, as we do every week, if if you'd like to make a prayer request, and I love that every week we're having more and more of these requests, please get on your phone and use this number you see on the screens. And and you could put something as simple today as, I want to be holy. I want to stop running from that word. I want to be that person. I need help. Would you pray for me to be holy? So please do that. If you're wanting to be baptized today, we're going to sing a song in just a moment. You're talking about a moment that sets your life apart. It's that moment when, when you die to the old self and you're resurrected. and you say, Just meet me on this stage. One of my favorite stories here is of Jesus. And um, speaking of, of holy, Jesus comes into the holy place temple and it's anything but holy the court of the gentiles has become you know a flea market a bazaar where where people are being ripped off the place where Gentile peoples were invited to connect with God and to worship God had been destroyed by a religious system that says, it's more about us and what we can make than it is about you and Jesus. It flew all over him. This was, What was supposed to be the holy place where you connected to God was a terrible place that ran you away from God. And when God walked into that, he was angry and he took out a whip and he ran the people out and he turned over the tables because you shall not make my house a den of thieves it is a place of prayer it's a place for people to connect to him Jesus was consumed and his apostles even say they quote that verse zeal for my house has consumed me because what was meant to be holy was unholy And Jesus marched in and he cleaned it out. And maybe your prayer request today needs to be, I want to invite Jesus to clean house. You know, maybe over the last years or maybe just since this pandemic, I hear so many of you, and and I have struggled with this myself, I hear more people lethargic about their faith than ever. More people that have gotten to a point of lukewarmness. And we shouldn't be surprised because when Satan can disconnect us from each other, what do we expect to happen? We, we need each other. That's why I'm so thankful to see all of you here and all of you that are watching online today to be a part of this because we need to be connected. And maybe you're at a place of lethargic living, lukewarm living, and some bad habits are slipping back into your life, some evil ways. And my challenge today is for you to pray and invite us to pray. Jesus, I want to give you permission to come back in your holy temple, because guess what? We are the holy temple. Your body, this church, was meant to be a place that was different, that was holy. And we need to be bold enough to invite Jesus to come in and to do that. I actually wanna lead a prayer now before we sing together. It's out of this book I mentioned earlier, Moments with the Savior. It's the prayer Ken Geyer invites us to pray after he tells about that time that Jesus spent in the temple. So let's all bow and pray together. Father, we are thankful to be together. We're thankful to be family. We're thankful to be a part of a group of people who support each other. And Lord, it's okay for all of us here today to say we're struggling. It's okay for us to say we're lethargic. Everything starts with that confession. Father, we we support each other. We support the members of our church right now that are home alone. We support those that are facing health issues. We lift up Linda Turow and her eye surgery tomorrow. We support those, and we want to support each other who are having financial issues. But God, right now, we just want to invite you to do your business. Shine your light in every corner of my heart. Search every cupboard. Open every door to every closet. And bring whatever evil is hidden there out in the open. Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there is in me any small trace of hypocrisy, any small bit of impurity, any small beginnings of greed and materialism. Wash me, O Lord, and make me clean. Forgive me for how I've overlooked the many small but pervasive influences that threatened to make a doughy mess of my life. For the small talk that grew into gossip. For the slight stretching of truth that grew into a lie. For the silent insecurities that grew into jealousies that grew into criticism of others. Forgive me for all I've tolerated in the courtyards of my life. For the way I've allowed sacred things, holy things, to become profaned. For the way I've allowed prayer to be pushed to the far corners of my life. Come, Lord Jesus. Come to the temple of my heart. Overturn the tables. Drive out the money changers. And do whatever you have to do to make me a holy place. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.